Is there such a thing as inherently good or inherently evil? Yeah. Yeah. Does that even exist? Does sin itself even really exist? If we're thinking of sin as a group of actions that in all circumstances this thing is bad, it's evil, and therefore it is a sin, then I don't think that that sin exists in that way. My dear sister Tiffany. Father. It's good to have you here. Thank you so much for having me back today. Thank you for joining me. So today we want to talk about the concept of sin in religion. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a complex one. And sin has uh, been a core concept in all of the major religions, and certainly in the three main Western religions. Yes. Sin in Christianity, Judaism, and Islam uh, is the reason why we are living in a broken world. Yes. And why we are not currently in paradise. Sin is the reason for our suffering, and it's also the reason for the existence of death and disease. Uh, sin, this concept of sin, explains for the followers of Judaism, Christianity, and Islam uh, the reason why the world is not perfect. It is. It takes the blame off of the creator and places it on the creation. Yes. Uh, God says um, in these religions that he created everything perfectly, but because he is just, he has to punish when people, uh, you know, do sin or do something bad, and. Because of the fact that he has to punish, his punishment ends up interrupting the perfect life of those adherents, right? Whom are now imperfect because of their uh, choosing to disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And therefore, any imperfections, inconveniences, bad things that a person experiences, it all goes back to... Uh, mankind, it all goes back to humanity. Yes. Yeah. And the original sin, this is displayed in the, in the story of the original sin and the story of Adam and Eve. Uh, God creates, um, and this is the story is the same in all three religions, uh, this paradise type place, this garden of perfection where there's harmony and love and angels, and God himself is walking along with Adam. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. And then God tells Adam and Eve that they are free to do anything that they want to do. Anything that their hearts desire, they can do. And he gives them authority over all things. He just says to them, there's just one thing that I don't want you to do. 
And the one thing is that you never approach this tree that's in the center of the Garden of Eden because it's, it's not for you. You're not allowed to eat from it. Yeah. And mankind, Adam and Eve, even though they have uh, an infinite amount of trees that they can taste and they can eat from, uh, even though they have all this whole world that they can explore, it's not satisfying enough for them. Yeah. They want to and are drawn to do the one thing that they are not allowed to do, yeah. which is to eat from that tree. Um, yeah. In the Quran, it's mentioned, uh, well, there's references, there's verses that refer to the tree as the tree of immortality, right? Uh, the tree of life. Yeah. Um, in the Bible, in the Hebrew Bible, and the and so in Judaism and in Christianity, it's referred to as the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Yes. Mm -hmm. And regardless what the meaning of the tree is, if it's a physical tree, if it's an allegory, and we've spoken about this in the Goal of the Wise and in other episodes, and it's not important, but the point of the discussion today, it's not important for this for the sake of this discussion is just that there's something that they're forbidden from doing and they do it. Yeah. <clears throat> then they're punished. They're taken out of their comfort zone. They're kicked out of the garden. Yeah. They before were immortal. Yeah. They weren't going to die. Now death comes into the world and there's this shift that happens in their reality. Yes. The Even earth before. is not bringing forward its fruits like before. You know, the animals are not obeying them like before uh life is bad yes and god's not there anymore they're banished from his presence right yeah. they can't see him anymore like they once used to yes and then all these horrible things begin to take place they have children yeah. their children start killing one another Cain slays Abel, and they multiply in the land. And then you have the children of Cain fighting against the children of Adam. You have the vicegerents and, and, and human beings in general now having to struggle in order to survive. Before, they would just wish for something and it would take place. The fruits would fall on their laps. Um, now they had to hunt, they had to farm, they had to do, you know, exert a lot of energy and become tired in order to survive. Yeah. Now, it's important to notice that in the beginning, the only sin that exists is this sin of not approaching the tree. Yes. This is the only thing that they're forbidden from doing. Yeah. They were commanded something, and that was to be fruitful and multiply. And we do have some stories uh, in, in, in some of the versions of the Hebrew Bible that were written and had existed alongside um, the current version of the Hebrew Bible, 
but were kind of dismissed and uh, or accounts of the events that took place in Genesis that were placed aside and were not placed inside of the uh, taken into the Hebrew Bible, which talk about how God became angry with mankind and brought down the flood. And here, once again, we have the flood coming down, the punishment coming down as a result of sin. So the suffering coming down as a result of sin, except what was the sin this time that human beings were, were, were doing? It was that they were, um, the, the book states uh, that human beings basically were abstaining from multiplying. Okay. So the sin became to to not carry out the command. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So you have these two conditions, and uh, it's basically don't don't <laughs> approach the tree and be fruitful and multiply. So both of them were broken. Both yeah. Of them, yeah. So sin became what? Sin became to go against a direct order of God. Okay. All right. Okay. He tells you not to do something. If you do it, that is sin. And if he tells you to do something and then you abstain from it, then that is a sin. Okay. He tells you to do something and you abstain from it, it's a sin. He tells you not to do something and you do it, it's a sin. Okay. Do you understand? Yes. Yeah. So anything that becomes, that is the opposite, any action that is in the opposite direction of what God commands you to do, this is the definition of sin. Okay. And so he commands them to be to, to, to not eat from the tree. They ate from it. He removes them from the garden. They don't have access to the tree anymore. So now there's only one other command that God had given them. Be fruitful and multiply. And they decide to not be fruitful and not multiply. And the version of the story which exists in the book of Jasher is uh, goes as such it says that basically during those days women that would give birth their bodies would become you know maybe a little bit stretched out they would have stretch marks they would not be the women would not be as beautiful because as a result of the childbirth and the breastfeeding they would not be as attractive to men as those women who were virgins or who were not virgins but had never had babies. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so childbirth caused this change in the body of women. Women realized that men preferred those bodies that had not given childbirth, right? And so because they desired the attention of men, they began to, and because of the fact that men wanted also women to uh, not lose their figures that they had, mankind invented this potion. It was a drink that they could have, and anybody who had this drink, basically, they could not give birth anymore. Right. So the women would would be made to drink these drinks or would want to drink these drinks. And basically it would be like a a permanent form of child, you know, birth control. Okay. Wow. They would sterilize themselves. Exactly. They would sterilize themselves. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. God didn't like that, though. And because they sterilized themselves and because uh, humanity was at risk of extinction and because they were disobeying the command of God, they were sinning and God does not tolerate sin. And so he decides that he wants to wipe out 
creation, uh, you know, by his own hands since they were already wiping themselves out through sterilization. Wow. Okay? Yeah. And so he brings down the flood upon them. Uh, he saves from them the, the believers, which are Noah and, and his family members. And uh, he starts the world from anew. Yes. Yeah? yeah? And then what takes place? What takes place after that is that, is that God grants to Noah new things. And he forbids him from new things. So the only thing that was that they were commanded, you know, so like God gives Adam all of the plants, you know, and he gives them all of the land. Um, and he doesn't place any restrictions on there. Yeah. But we find that there are additional instructions that take place in the time of Noah as a result of the actions that took place during the time period between Adam and Noah and the actions of the people. Yeah. God reinforces the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. He says, be fruitful and multiply. You have to continue doing this. Yeah. Okay. And he tells them that they are not allowed to kill. Yeah. And anybody who does kill shall be killed. Yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so now he places a punishment. Before when Cain slayed uh, Adam, uh, sorry, Abel, what happened? Cain was banished. He was exiled. Yeah. He was just told to go away. We don't want to be around you anymore because there was no punishment that was, that was put into place. Yeah. Murder at that time was not a sin yeah. because God didn't say don't murder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it mentions that murder was becoming uh, frequent before the flood. So people were killing each other. It was becoming like rampant. So this uh, this new law is is logical. It and goes yet, against. And yet the account in the book of Jasher does not say that God brings down the flood because of the murder yeah. that was taking place. But rather, he only brings down the flood because they uh, disobeyed his direct commandment. Therefore, the murder during that time period was not a sin. Yeah, that's very fair. It's, it's very it's clear, fair. yeah. It's like a state, for example, you know, um, putting somebody in jail for drinking alcohol when alcohol is legal. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. You know, first you have to place the law, then you put the punishment to yeah. the law. You make it clear to the people that you're not allowed to do this. And then, you know, after you say that this action is a crime or a sin, then you can punish people for it if they do it afterwards. But first, they have to be warned. Yes. They were not warned about the murder aspect. Therefore, murder was not a crime. It was not a sin. After Noah, it becomes a sin. It becomes a crime. Yeah. And also the same thing happens in, in regards to childbirth. If you, if you try to sterilize yourself, that's also a sin. That carries on. Yes. You know? And he gets new privileges, right? So... Uh, he's allowed to eat meat this time. Yeah. You know, before it just said that God gave Adam only the plants, and so technically, if people were eating meat, then it would have been it would have been sinful too, because God had not necessarily gave. Well, it wouldn't have been sinful because God wouldn't have wouldn't have necessarily forbid them from it, right? Yeah. But here, um, you know, He explicitly gives Noah the ability to eat meat, but he places on there certain restrictions. And he says, you can eat the meat, but if you're cutting off the limbs of, of a living being, 
you know, without slaughtering it first, then this is where the sin will be. Okay. So we have new rules that are taking place. And the point that I'm trying to demonstrate here, uh, Tiffany, is that is that the the people when they think of sin, they usually think of like a group of laws that God has brought down and um, people have to stick by them, you know, or avoid them. Uh, and anybody who who commits these sins is going to end up uh, in very big trouble, right? Yes. Um, but they don't necessarily think of it as uh, laws that are in development, yeah. right? Or in a state of evolution that are being created as necessary, right? These laws are being created as necessary as the human being is evolving. And that is what we see taking place here. The laws in, in the time of Adam are simple. Sin is one thing or two things. And then, you know, it's really one thing, which is like, don't go against what God's telling you to do. And then you come to Noah's time, it expands. There's more things that God is telling you to do and to not do. And then you go to Abraham's time and circumcision is added and there's more things that he's telling you. You go to Moses' time and there's tons of laws that are brought down that govern every aspect of society, right? 613 different laws that are in the, um, you know, that, that come down upon Moses, not just the Ten Commandments. And then you go into uh, the time of Jesus and there's there's adjustments that are taking place. Jesus is adjusting the law. Things that were allowed in the time of Moses, such as divorce, Jesus forbids in his time. Yes. <laughs> and then we go down to the time of the Prophet Muhammad, and even more laws are brought down or adjustments or 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 um, changes to the, the previous laws that had come back. So things that were allowed in the time of Moses, you know, like for example, a person taking an infinite amount of wives, hence Solomon takes like 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? Yes. In the time of the Prophet Muhammad, that's not allowed. You can only take four uh, permanent wives, right? Yes. And so things are adjusted. Yeah. Why are things adjusted? And what does this mean? And what can we learn from that? We learn from that, that sin is to disobey God and that God's halal and his haram, what he makes permissible and what he makes impermissible changes from time to time, depending upon the level of consciousness of the human beings that are existing on the planet at at that time period. Okay. Yeah, I, I can see that that it changed according to the behaviors of the people and with the actions that they had been taking. God modified uh, what was considered sinful from time to time. Yeah, that's clear. And it's a it's an interesting and a new way of thinking about sin because I think for most people it's a bit of a murky concept. Like you think of sin as being um, doing actions that are inherently bad. You think of certain actions as inherently bad and certain actions as inherently good, and uh, and you think it's been that way throughout all time. But when you go back and look at these stories in the scriptures, as as you just made clear, uh, it's not the case. Uh, certain things were. Uh, allowed, then they became not allowed. Certain things, you know, it, it's not a, a permanent state throughout all time. 
Yeah. And then that's, that's the question. Um, you know, is there such a thing as inherently good or inherently evil? Yeah. Yeah. Does that even exist? Does sin itself even really exist? Yeah. If we're thinking of sin as a group of laws, a group of actions that in all circumstances, this thing is bad, it's evil, and therefore it is a sin, then I don't think that that sin exists in that way. And the proof for that is the fact that the same action, depending on intention, is either praised or condemned by the same God. For example, God says, do not kill. Yes. Do not murder. Yeah. But, and so if, if Cain is slaying Abel, this is bad. You know, this necessitates that we put in effect a murder law. But if you're killing non-believers, you know, um, or people that are worshiping gods other than God, or if you're murdering people who are um, transgressing against the prophet in Judaism, yeah. in Christianity or Islam, then it becomes a good thing, yeah, a God. praised thing. And God commanded it several and times. A thing yeah. which God commands. And so you have this murder, which God is forbidding you from, but he's also commanding you to do. So murder itself, the idea of taking the life of another human being in it and of itself cannot be inherently evil because there's times where taking the life of another human being is actually really good and praised. Yeah. And there's times where it's bad and it's evil. Yeah. So it just depends on what the intentions were behind it. Yeah. And who was commanding it? Yeah. 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 It's a it's a a deep matter. It is a deep matter. You have also this uh, what's another sin, for example, fornication. Yes. In many of the laws, including the Mosaic law, the Jesuit law, the Mohammedan law, the Sharia. Fornication is not allowed. Yeah, it's one of the Ten Commandments. It's against it's one of the Ten Commandments. You can't do it. You cannot commit adultery. Yes. <laughs> if and there's a, there's a difference between adultery and fornication. Like fornication is if you're single mm -hmm. and outside of wedlock, you're having intercourse, mm -hmm. and adultery is if you're married and and while you're married, you're committing intercourse or having an affair. Yeah. With somebody else. And we find that that it is punishable, um, you know, uh, by stoning in the in the Old Testament. Yeah. And it is uh, punishable as well in the Quran. And there's even narrations that that state that there were verses in the Quran that were now not there that speak about you know the stoning of the fornicator or the adulterer. And yet we find 
examples in Judaism, Christianity, and Islam of people being rewarded for fornicating, you know, or praised for it, or the result of their action ending up in a very good way, right? Yeah. For example, in the story of David and Bathsheba. Yeah, true. Here's a woman that's married. Here's the prophet David, the king of Israel. The king of Israel is uh, looking from the window. He notices Bathsheba showering in some accounts, and she, um, you know, is attractive to him. And so he commands his men to bring her to him. And he falls upon her. They commit the act of adultery. And she becomes pregnant. And then what happens? A long story short, in the end, Bathsheba ends up becoming the mother of the successor of God yes. in the land. She becomes the mother of the prophet Solomon. And she becomes a great ancestor of who? Jesus. Of Jesus, the Messiah. So this woman who had an affair and gave herself to the prophet of Allah um, doesn't go down in history as being a criminal. And she doesn't get stoned or punished or even rebuked by God for doing this. Yeah. But rather she gets rewarded, and she's raised to a high station. She becomes a queen, you know, and she becomes uh, a great ancestor of some of the greatest people that are to ever come to the planet Earth. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating story. It is a fascinating story. And you also have this, this verse in the Quran whereby it is speaking to the God is speaking to the Prophet Muhammad and he's telling the Prophet Muhammad about the different types of women that he's allowed to marry. Yeah. yeah. And saying for you, permissible for you are 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 your cousins and permissible for you are this woman and this woman and this woman and this woman and this woman. And then it states, and a woman who gives herself to you. Okay. And a woman who gives herself to the prophet. Okay. This is permissible for you, but not for the other believers. Okay. 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 So what is the meaning of that? The scholars have debated over it. Some have said that the meaning of this is just that, you know, uh, a woman can marry the Prophet Muhammad and give herself without receiving a dowry in return. Okay. Okay. In reality, what it means is that any woman married or unmarried can give herself to the Prophet Muhammad in the same way that Bathsheba gave herself to the Prophet David. Okay. Because the Prophet has more of a right over the believers than their own selves. 
and uh, this 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 recognition of the right of the prophet muhammad over the women of the believers more than their own selves is something which is set in stone and recognized in islam and proven and pointed out in the story of zaid whereby the adopted son of the prophet muhammad was married to this woman and the story goes along a lot in you know uh you know parallels a lot in the story of david and Bathsheba. yes yeah. the narration state that the prophet muhammad goes to visit his his adopted son zaid and uh, he's not there but his wife's there and some narrations state that she answers the door while she was uh, not really dressed others uh, that the prophet walks in into the house and she was in the state of showering or you know and then he glances at her in either way he sees her and she's not fully dressed yes and he makes a comment uh you know which means you know how great is god's creation or something of the sort yes uh when when he says that he ends up leaving the wife of Zaid ends up narrating the story to Zaid when he comes back home. She tells him, the Prophet Muhammad stopped by, your father stopped by, and I answered the door, and this is what happened, and this is what he said. And Zaid immediately understands it, that like, hey, the, the Prophet, my father, uh, must have, have feelings uh, for or desire for my wife. Yeah. As anybody would naturally think. Yeah. This is what's written in the story. I don't want anybody to be upset and think we're making this up. No, this what, is what's written. Yeah. What can we do? We're just narrating the hadith. Yeah. And so he goes to the Prophet Muhammad. And he tells the Prophet Muhammad, um, I offer my wife to you. I would, I would like to divorce her and you marry her. Yeah. He was a very strong believer. The prophet ends up rebuking him and telling him, no, don't say stuff like that. You know, this is, uh, what are you talking about? And then a verse from the Quran comes down telling the prophet, why is he, you know, hiding and denying what's in his heart in front of the people when God knows, you know, what's in his heart and, you know, can make it evident right yeah. yeah yeah and so after this verse comes down the prophet changes his mind and uh, thus being commanded and enforced by god he takes this woman from her husband and he ends up marrying her yes now people would argue that okay well this is not fornication this is not adultery because the uh, the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi you know, he didn't marry, he didn't have this this uh, uh, marriage with this woman while she was still married with Zaid, and he didn't commit any actions with her like uh, David did when when Bathsheba was still married to another man. And certainly that is true, but still in the in the viewpoint of Christianity, right? Yeah. And from the you know uh, any type of uh, desire for a woman that is not 
your woman would be considered to be adultery or fornication. And even in Islamic narrations, the mere idea of having a desire for somebody that is not your halal is, is also equated to being fornication or adultery. Okay. But yet it's not counted as that. Yeah. It's rather a praised action and Zayd ends up being, uh, you know, his name ends up being preserved and mentioned uh, in the Quran and praised. Yes. Yeah. The, the two stories are, are uh, as you said, very parallel. The story of David and Bathsheba and the story of the Prophet Muhammad and yeah. his stepson's wife. Yeah. So yeah. fidelity being being uh, being loyal to your husband yeah um, is a good deed infidelity is a bad deed yeah. right it's a sin according to the thinking of people yeah but not in all cases not, not always yeah so it's not inherently then a sin or inherently uh, a good deed yeah, that's clear from the stories. Yeah. One could even conclude that if after Zayd offered his wife to the Prophet Muhammad, and the Prophet Muhammad having been commanded by God to take the wife, right? If the wife then would have refused, mm. it would have been a sin. Yeah. 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 Because she would have been going against now the command of God. Yeah. Right? Yes, so it all goes back to the command of God. It all goes back to the command of God, and that's the point that I'm trying to make. That is that there is no such thing as sin, actually. Okay. Except that sin is going against whatever the messenger of God says in whatever day and age that he is living in. Hence, uh, there's a verse in the, in the Quran that says, you know, whatever the Prophet commands you to do, take it, and whatever he forbids you from, leave it. Okay. Okay? Yeah. So God is summarizing all of the law in one command, and that is, whatever the Prophet tells you to do, do it. Whatever he forbids you from, abstain from it. In that is success, in that is, uh, you know, good deeds and bad deeds and, and you know, uh, obeying God or committing sin. Okay. Right? Yeah. Yeah, it's clear. Uh, it's, it's, like I said, a different way of thinking about the concept and people really have to expand their, their minds to, to um, grasp it, I think, because uh, there, there are these things, like you mentioned, specific cases like murder, like adultery, that just your, your gut instinct is that it, it's inherently bad. But in these stories, uh, God is commanding these actions in some cases. And when God commands something, that means that in that case, it's good. Yeah. You have also other types of things, uh, Tiffany, like, uh, you know, like in Islam, for example, alcohol is, is forbidden. Yeah. You know, but then you find in paradise that alcohol is allowed. Yes, true. Right. So it can't be inherently bad or evil. Exactly. Or else why would it be existing in paradise? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. And you also have a verse in the Quran that says what? All foods, all foods are halal for the children of Israel. 
Yes. Except what Israel made haram or forbidden for his own self. Okay. So this is a really important verse. And this verse has everything to do with sin. Because what it's saying is what? It's saying that, okay, uh, guys, in the time of the prophet Israel, all food used to be permissible. Yeah. Do you not remember the covenant that God made with Adam? where he said, all the plants are for you, you can eat it without any restrictions. Yeah. Do you not remember when God told Noah that he could eat any of the meats of any animal, right, without restriction, except if you're going to like, you know, cut off a, a limb of an animal while he's alive, which is clearly animal cruelty, but there was no restrictions. Yeah. Okay. When did the restrictions come? It came with the children of Israel. Yeah. When they restricted their own selves from certain things. Yeah. Yeah. The mosaic laws. They, are... they saw, even before the mosaic laws, yeah. they perceived certain animals as being uh, unclean or nasty. They didn't want to eat these uh, creatures, and so they forbid themselves from it. Okay. And there's even narrations which speak about that, about that, about them abstaining from certain animals without having been commanded by God to do so. Mm. And then uh, these, these, uh, these things became laws that were instituted later on. Yes, okay. Right? But the origin is what? The origin was freedom. The origin was that there were no restrictions. The only restrictions that were put into place was because you guys wanted restrictions. And therefore, because you guys wanted restrictions, the restrictions came into place. All food was halal for the children of Israel, except that which Israel made haram for his own self. Well, that is so interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. And what does that mean? That means that the prophets and the messengers, sometimes they would uh, give commandments or they would forbid their people from certain things uh, in different time periods, not because God Almighty necessarily had made it as such, but because they themselves could not tolerate these things or would not believe unless these rules were put into place and so forth. Uh, so therefore, the 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 messenger would uh, basically instate these laws uh, for the sake of the people. And yes, once the laws are instated, it would be obligatory to obey because the main rule is that anything that you do that's against what God says, right, is a sin. Um, but there's a lot of room for the changing of sins from you know uh, throughout time and something that was a sin being uh, acceptable depending on the uh, intention or something that was previously bad becoming good in the future and something that was good being bad in the future depending on the needs of the people and the environment and the culture uh, that the people are living in okay yeah i i think that it's a fascinating explanation of um of how the laws change throughout time and uh, and how there could be these apparent contradictions between what seems like a sin or what is actually stated as a sin um, because God said not to do it, but then in some cases God commands it. Mm -hmm. And it's a very interesting topic. It is yeah. a very interesting topic. And it, it also, you know, brings up the question of like, okay, well, 
where is this evolution uh you know of laws going yeah um you know are is human are human beings advancing are we moving forward are we becoming more intelligent more spiritually advanced um we would like to think that the result of you know god the fulfillment of god's promise of the establishment of a divine just state right in the viewpoint of the jews with the messiah in the viewpoint of the christians with the second coming of christ in the viewpoint of the muslims with the coming of the imam al-mahdi salam and uh, the qa'im and jesus you know the establishment of a state should be a spiritual rise yes. right yeah and it's and it's basically stated in, in the prophecies that that there will be this evolution of consciousness and there will be this bringing of peace and so when this bringing of peace happens and this evolution of consciousness happens tiffany um does it come with more laws or the opposite less laws that's a very good question are we going to reach a place where we have even more laws than we do in the quran and in the torah right whereby the messiah the savior figure or the head of the divine just state you know interprets for society nowadays like um you know and extracts from the old commandments even more and more new commandments and issues more and more fatwas and writes more and more laws or is progression actually a you know, a step backwards towards the original Garden of Eden that we all came from, that state of paradise that Adam and Eve enjoyed, whereby they had all of these freedoms um, that were taken away from mankind once sin came into the world. I mean, you you are the one who would know the answer to that question, but uh, the description of the world in in that time when the the Mahdi and the Messiah, uh, you know, uh, comes, the descriptions certainly do uh, bring to mind paradise because it's it's um, described as as almost like a utopia and a time when when peace is brought to earth and and uh, and justice and this this amazing state uh, of justice. So um, it would definitely make me think that. It's probably more like like the the time of Adam and Eve, more like a paradise state. So there are narrations that state that the day of judgment, Yom Al-Qiyamah, that is mentioned in the Quran and uh, in the narrations, is not the a day where you know in the hereafter where all the souls are standing in front of God, but rather the day of of Qiyamah is the day of the Qiyam, the day of the rise of Imam al-Mahdi or the Qa'im. And that is the judgment that takes place on the earth before people go into the divine just state, which is like a paradise um, on earth. And it is stated in narrations that on the day of judgment, that death is brought forward and it is slaughtered, much like a sheep is slaughtered. And so the uh, meaning of that obviously is that death is eliminated. And if death is eliminated in the divine just state, then it means also that, um, you know, sin has been overcome, oh, right? Yeah. Uh, to At least to a large degree. And uh, if sin means to disobey God, then obviously it's to disobey the messenger of God. And thus we can find out that 
sin is overcome in the divine just state because people learn that what God wants from them is to obey his uh, messenger and that the only acts of sin really are those acts of disobedience and hatred and fighting against God through the fighting of his messenger. And that's why the Ahl Bayt when they spoke about the true meanings in the Quran of the sins such as gambling or alcohol or drinking blood or swine, eating swine flesh, uh, that the meaning behind all of these uh, so-called sins are not those apparent sins. Like it, it, the verse doesn't really, it's not really talking about the flesh of swine or the uh, drinking of blood of the animal or, 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 or alcohol or gambling, but rather what it's talking about is it's talking about the obedience to Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman, it is talking about Nimrod and Pharaoh. It's talking about Cain and the children of Cain. It's talking about obeying and taking as a uh, ruler over you, every ruler that has not been appointed by God, and that the true sins are the non-working scholars, the ones that are um, making innovations in religion and leading people astray and commanding them to obey the tyrant, that they're the, they're the true alcohol and they're the true sin. And so sin is only not obeying the messenger uh, of God and uh, good deeds is the uh, obedience to the messenger of God. So therefore, I think what we have proven in this episode is that in reality, there is no such thing as sin that's an inherent sin. Yeah. It doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah, it clearly does not exist. Yeah. And uh, the, the messenger of God that has in him the spirit of God, he is, he is above the law. Yeah. And God's above the law. And God, um, you know, there is no, no inherent good and evil. It's just the intention. If you're using it, if you're using something to fight against God, then it's evil. And if you're using it to obey God, then it's good. So we'll stop there for now, inshallah. Okay. And we'll continue in a future episode. And yeah, we'll leave the viewers there to think about things for now. Okay. Thank you so much for Thank everything you, so you taught me today. Me. God bless you. God bless you.